You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell, and it is a glorious day to be a Colts fan because it is Victory Monday. I uh, haven't been able to say that too many times yet this season. How are you doing, Mike? You doing somersaults? You know, I've been around a lot longer than you, so I tend to stay more even keel than you do. Uh, but I, I tell you, all I know, we've talked about this before, the impact that an NFL team and a game has on a community is incredible. It just is. Uh, the, the sun came up today, and it was a little brighter, a little brighter outside. So uh, uh, it's, it's always a good day when you win. And the, the the problem is now you have to wait another seven days to do it again, but it is Frank Reich and his one zero mentality, and they've got to start stacking these wins. That's right. Hopefully they can stack another one next week. But that topic is uh, for Thursday because today we're going to recap the Colts' dominant win over the Texans. We'll discuss takeaways. There's uh, a lot of positive takeaways from this game. And we'll also take a look at the rest of the AFC South, see how that division race is going. But let's go ahead and jump into it here with the game recap. The 1-4 Colts hosting the 1-4 Texans. And first couple drives started with some punts. The Colts get a 3-and-out on their first defensive series. First play of the game for offense goes to, you know who, T.Y. Hilton making his return from his neck injury, a neck injury that upon his return he revealed was a little more serious um, and almost career-ending. We got into that last Thursday. But right away, 12 yards to T.Y. Hilton, and then the drive would kind of sputter out from there. Colts now on defense once again, and Houston is driving. Uh, They surpass the 50-yard line and go into Indianapolis territory. But on third down, Davis Mills is sacked by Big DeForest Buckner, his first sack since week one, forcing the Texans to punt. Colts with the ball now. And they get one of these big plays that they've been working for. Seven-play, 92-yard drive is capped off by a 51-yard touchdown pass to Paris Campbell. And, Mike, those are the kind of big plays the Colts have been waiting on and waiting on from Paris. Yeah, and and that's what we're seeing more and more with Carson Wentz. When they brought him here, they saw the big play possibilities because he does have the big arm. Uh, but you know, but with Paris Campbell, it's it, it's not that he that he doesn't have skills, unique skills. It's staying on the field, and w- when you see what he, it's just frustrating when you see what he can do when he's healthy. He he he's flies this, not not the deep ball like this, but he's flies these talents, and then something comes up, and then he de- doesn't finish this game with a with a foot injury. So, but no, th- this is what you want. And we, we, we'll, we've seen it throughout the game, and we'll talk about it later in this game. But uh, last week in, in Baltimore, big plays. Of course, 76 yards to, to Jonathan Taylor on the screen was more of Jonathan Taylor than it was. It's like a small uh, play the, that turned into a big right. play. But, the, but then they had the 42-yarder to, to, to Pittman as well. So this is what we, uh, the team wants to see. And moving forward, it'll be very interesting to see how they mix the run game with these big plays, and they, they go hand in hand. Yeah, and that, that would be far from the only big play of the game. Uh, Colts up 7 nothing. They force the Texans to punt after just one first down. 
Colts now driving with the ball. And they're going to have to settle for a field goal on this one. And newly signed kicker, Bagley, or what's his name? The, the Money Badger? Is that his the, nickname? The, the Money Badger. The Money Badger. I like that. Got, got it. Every kicker needs a nickname. They just do. Uh, he sends this one 41 yards right down the middle. A good sign for the Colts' kicking situation. They didn't ask him to do too much in this one, but he handled the kicks uh, that he was supposed to, which is which is what you want, what you ask for. So Colts now up 10 to nothing in this one. But the Texans would get what, – what, what, one, one thing. Yeah, go ahead. Joe, on, on this drive, we talked to big plays. This is a drive that was set up by the, the deep post of T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, T.Y. The 52-yarder. So, and one thing, you mentioned the first pass of the game was to Hilton. That was sort of planned. It was planned to sort of get him involved, get the crowd jacked up. But the 52-yarder, it just shows you, again, what this offense can do. First of all, you've got to have players that can do it, and they do. But secondly, go back and look at those plays, and they had really, really good pass protection on each play to, to give the routes time to, to open up and give Wentz time to wait for it. So very encouraging. A little discouraged that you got to wait for or you got to settle for the, uh, uh, for, the, for the field goal. But seeing the big plays was very, very encouraging. No, yeah, thanks for stopping me, Mike. I almost skipped right over T.Y. Hilton's 52-yard pass. Uh, beautiful throw, by the way, from Carson Wentz. Kind of just threw it out there. T.Y. ran under it. It would uh, remind a lot of Colts fans of number 12 back there, the way they hooked up on that one. But um, definitely T.Y.'s biggest play of the game, and great to see from the veteran who's been doing that for Indianapolis for a long time. And, and also, we t- talking to Wentz after the game, uh, he said that what he's what he does with these guys is he throws to a spot. Uh, they knew that they have chances against the safeties the way they played, and he said, "I throw to spots, and it's up to those guys to run to the spot." And each time they did, and Ty just said with, with Wentz, he said, "If you don't run, you can't catch up to it." So it, it it is good synergy right now. And keep in mind this this is a deep passing game that they had very they've had very little time to get receivers and quarterback in, in sync. So, again, uh, it's it's always good to remember who they played. It, it's, it reminds me, we were talking in the press box, sometimes it's not so much how you're playing, but who you play. So th- this was a good, a good get well opportunity, but th- these big plays that we've seen the last couple of weeks, and, and as we said, the, uh, this one to T.Y. is very, very uh, encouraging for this offense. Very encouraging indeed. Now moving back to the Texans, they're driving into the Colts' territory. They would end up stopping them on third and five pass, knocked away by Carly Kari Willis. But, man, it could have been a whole lot more. He nearly intercepted that ball, and there was a lot of green in front of him to take it the other way. But Texans still stopped, uh, and they would have to settle for a field goal, making this 10-3. to Colts on their next possession, they would have to punt – um, after third and nine, Carson Wentz pass for Mo Ali Cox falls incomplete. Texans would punt on their drive as well, and that would more or less in the half. Colts up just 10 to three. Moving on to the second half now, Colts start with the ball, but they would go three and out. But on the Texans' first play of their next drive, it's intercepted by who else? Darius Leonard, the big playmaker for this Colts defense. And the Colts are set up at Houston's 28-yard line. 
It would take just two plays from there for Indianapolis to find the end zone. Second play from scrimmage, Carson Wentz finds Mo Alley-Cox from 28 yards out. Cox's third touchdown reception in as many games. He's uh, he's really been a big target that Carson Wentz has leaned to recently. Moving on, uh, Texans with the ball now. They would be forced to punt after Indianapolis does its job again. And Colts with the ball, and here's probably the highlight of the game. It's Jonathan Taylor's on the first play, 83-yard run. Mike, I saw after the game you noted that was the longest run in Colts franchise history. Indianapolis uh, would be determined to get him the touchdown at the end of the drive as well after he was brought down at the five. Three straight runs on uh, first and goal, second goal, finally third and goal. Taylor gets in from four yards out, and this extends Indianapolis's lead here um, to 24-3. to three. But we saw just a week ago, Mike, how quickly a lead can, uh, a big lead in the second half and the fourth quarter can be erased. So at this point in the game, ball game, I don't know about all the other Colts fans, but I know I at least was was not uh, resting on this one. I was still a little bit nervous, hoping there wasn't a second half collapse from the defense. Again, keep in mind a lot matters on who you play. Yeah, this was this wasn't Lamar Jackson. It was Davis Mills, who I tell you, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, I, I thought I, go, go, I remember, you know, with with in, in the past with Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew and all this, I thought this kid looked like he's got a chance. I don't know if he's. I, I'm not saying he, he can be the franchise guy, but he didn't look. The game wasn't too big for him. Uh, a couple of bad mistakes, and, and teams should make a young quarter, a rookie quarterback pay. But uh, I, I never, I never felt the game was threatened. Even a ten to three, it sounds crazy. Even a ten to three, I thought the Colts really had a grip on it. But uh, you got to find a way to close games, and they did. They they not only kept the lead, they extended it, and that, that's what teams do. If this team's going to do what it needs to be and do uh, it, it, the last part of the season, th- this is what you do. you take care of business, you make the plays, and you move on to the next game. Make the plays and move on. The Colts continue to make the plays in this one. They would uh, force a turnover on downs on Houston next drive, a 14-play drive. Got into Colts territory, but when you're down three touchdowns, uh, Houston made the decision to go for it instead of the kicking the field goal, and they were not able to convert. A few more highlights from this game. I won't go through every drive-by-drive, drive, but Darius Leonard had another ter- takeaway in this one. He punched out a fumble as the Houston Texans were again passing the Colts' 50-yard line. That was scooped up by Kari Willis. And then on that very next drive, Jonathan Taylor would find his second touchdown of the day from 11 yards out. The next drive after that, Isaiah Rogers would get his first interception as a pro, uh, if I remember correctly. That's his first career interception. And, Mike, Isaiah Rogers is a guy who quietly, I think, has been playing some pretty solid football for the Colts. Yeah, he's been having to play more than maybe what they anticipated because of injuries with uh, Xavier Rhodes and now, again, Yak Yassin. So we'll see how that goes. But I think he, he's got good ball skills. He he has his moments where, you know, you kind of scratch your head, but still a young player. Again, keep in mind, he, he was really drafted as a uh, as, as a return guy. But he's shown, he's shown speed. some – Right, and, and remember, it's, it's funny, go back to the uh, – 
uh, the fumble with Darius Leonard in Baltimore, with with the the the, the forward pass that they that they then gated to play, and how he ran away from people down the sideline. But uh, it's very encouraging to see some of these young players at key positions step up. And he may have to play more again when we'll see how Rocky Seen's uh, foot or ankle is in the in the coming days. Yeah, I'll go ahead and hit on injuries before we get to takeaways here. Rocky Sin left the game with a foot-slash-ankle injury in the third quarter. Um, we don't really have word yet on how serious the injury is. Not even sure if it's the same ankle. Uh, that he's been dealing with for the past couple of games. T.Y. Hilton pulled up with a bit of a quad injury. He would be ruled out for the rest of this game. The game was well in hand at this point, so who knows if it was a close game, if he would have been good enough to give it a go. Uh, Mike, you quoted him after the game as saying, yeah, I just grabbed it a little bit. I'll be all right. So uh, hopefully we can take T.Y.'s word for it, and it's nothing serious. Um, the other injury we already mentioned, Paris Campbell left the game with a foot injury. Uh, would not return as far as I remember. Mike, do you have any idea how serious Campbell's injury is? Any kind of you know vibes from the coaching staff and if that's going to keep him out for a while? We really just don't know. We really just don't know. And, and, and as bad as it sounds, I start expecting the worst with Paris just because that's, that's what the career has been. And I hope that's not the case. Uh, the, the great kid, great talent, and you just you just hope he catches a break, and and we'll see later in the day or tomorrow, and, and you just hope that, that 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 this is a minor thing. But I go back to his rookie year, where gosh, it was one thing after another: a broken hand, a broken foot, a you know, a hernia surgery. So, uh, kind kind of, if you're a Colts fan, you can keep your fingers crossed because. We've we've seen what this guy can be, what he can add to the offense when he's healthy, when he's on the field. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for no, news and notes throughout the week. We'll certainly keep you updated on all of those injuries and anything that else that might happen there. And, of course, we'll touch on it again during the Thursday show, as I'm sure we'll have a little bit more clarity for all these injuries. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to takeaways, Mike. My first takeaway here is – T.Y. is back. His first game after a career-threatening neck injury, T.Y. led the team in receiving with 80 yards on four catches. Uh, only had four targets in the game, but caught every single one of them, and including that monster 52-yard catch that would set up a field goal. Mike, after the game, uh, T.Y. kind of spoke to the emotional nature of his return. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it, it was a... a- it, well, it started on Saturday. After the Saturday walkthrough, Frank uh, always has a player to sort of address the team, and he had T.Y. in this case. And Frank said it was a special moment. He said, I've been involved with a lot of situations like that. This was special. And he wouldn't get into it too much, but T.Y. did a little bit. And he just talked about how what he's been through, how difficult of a time it was. And I'm sure he sort of indicated it for, to other players, you know, em- embrace the moment because you never know maybe how soon or how quickly it can be taken away from you. And again, T.Y., when we talked to T.Y. last week, it was how it was a couple of days after surgery that he thought about hanging it up and retiring just because of the nature of the injury. Like you said, you only get one neck. But uh, his his talk of the team struck a chord. We talked to Jonathan Taylor. He said that this is a guy who has been around – 
has played with great players, has been mentored by great players like an Andrew Luck and a Reggie Wayne. And he said, you listen. And like T.Y. said, when when T.Y. talks, you know, speaks, people listen. So E.F. Hutton probably shouldn't take exception to having his quote, quote stolen. But when, when, T, when certain players talk, it, it does command attention, and it is more important than just somebody else getting up there. So T.Y. has really, really taken on a, a leadership role, you know, vocally as he's gotten older. Early in his career, I'm not sure that's something that, that would have resonated with, with the, the team. But all that he's been through, all that he's been – keep in mind, he could have very easily gone to Baltimore in the offseason for, for for a bigger contract than whatever he got. What was it, one year, eight million or whatever? And mm-hmm. he left several million on, on the table. Uh, not many players do that, but it really it really reinforced Ty's uh, loyalty or, or or what the city of Indy and, and the Colts mean to him. Uh, it was really good to see and. Like I say to have him come back and play what four catches, eighty yards, and, and all of them were meaningful catches. Uh, hopefully, again, the quad isn't serious or, or even you know hardly minor. Although one thing I, I've always learned through the years is the one person I do not trust on injury updates is the player because they're they're always off, always fine. But hopefully, you know, I'm guessing he'll be limited in practice. And hopefully he's ready to go against Frisco on Sunday night. It's great to have T.Y., the emotional leader of the offense, back. Speaking of leaders, though, rushing leader Jonathan Taylor. The offense seems to be running through Jonathan Taylor at this point, and that's a good thing because it should be. Taylor had 14 carries for 145 yards and two touchdowns. He also added one catch and thir- for 13 yards through the air. Mike, th- Taylor had just two carries for six yards at the half, and then all of a sudden the Colts kind of went back to him and he delivered. What was up? I know you kind of talked to Frank Wright about the balance between trying to stick to the run and grind that out but also try and hit big plays. Yeah, and and he talked, and and it's easy to, 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 to get caught up in the moment. They didn't have the ball a lot in the first half. Four possessions and uh they threw the ball more the first half. I don't know whether it was to loosen up or to take advantage of what they saw. We talked again, talking to Wentz and Hilton after the game. They both said that with the way Houston plays, they just knew there would be plays in the passing game by attacking the safeties, which they did. But first half, what they had the ball, uh, 24 plays, you know, and Wentz threw the ball 15 times for 185 and a touchdown. So it, it, it was working. Uh, I still, it's, I understand what Frank says, but, but three touches for Jonathan Taylor in the first half just doesn't seem like enough. However, the game's going, he had two carries for six yards and a 13 yard catch, but then it's hard to argue with, with the results when he goes completely bonkers in the second half. And it's funny that 83 yard run was the longest, again, the longest by a Colt ever. I mean, and this team's had a few good running backs through the years. Just a couple. Some Hall, of Famer, some Hall of Famers. It's also the fifth longest. This was crazy. It's the fifth longest non-scoring touchdown or non-scoring run in league history. 
So it's, it, you know, normally when a running back with his kind of speed gets on the corner and, and runs away from people, you're not caught. But I, I went back and watched the play, and if we talk to Michael Pittman, he will be kicking himself for not completing the block. I mean, he, he was doing all he could downfield as an escort, but he just couldn't get the corner out of the way, and he was smacking his helmet at the end of that play. That could very easily have been a, 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 a long touchdown. But it's just th- this kid is simply bringing the big play, 83 yards Sunday, 76 yards with a, what was it, a 10-yard screen pass uh, at Baltimore, and it's 20 yards, it's 23 yards, it's 29 yards. It, it, he, th- this is the kind of player that makes makes a play caller look like a genius. You know, you throw a little screen pass, you're probably thinking you're going to get, I don't know, 15, 20 yards, and, and, and you're in the end zone. And the same with that, that, uh, that sweep. There's not a chance you think you're going to get that kind of play. You're hoping to get, you know, first down and move the chains and and maybe get get a big play, 20, 25 yards. But but there are rare talents, and he's one. I was looking. That's the uh, – it was the fifth highest – the Colts give you some good stats here. It was the fifth highest average per carry in a game. Minimum 10 attempts. It was, uh, what was it, 11, 10.4. Uh, 14 carries, 145. So – uh Three straight games with 100 yards, two rushing and one receiving. So, what the kids played 20, 21 games for the Colts. Yeah, roughly. So th- they're just scratching the surface, and it's it's really fun to watch. You always hear that certain players are always a play away from breaking it, and, and this kid is. Yeah, I think uh, if this continues, the Colts might have to send the. Chiefs and Lions a fruit basket for taking Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and DeAndre Swift in the draft at running back ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Taylor now has 100 yards rushing or receiving in each of his last three games. He passed Frank Gore with four and Dominique Rhodes with five to become 11th, to have the 11th most 100-yard rushing games in Colts history. I'm sure as time goes on, he'll continue to move up and up and up the list in Colts rushing records. Um, with this wonderful day on the ground, Taylor moves into fifth in the league in rushing with 472 yards, but is 210 receiving yards make him second in the NFL in yards from scrimmage. That's ahead of Devontae Adams, wide receivers, everybody. Everybody except for Derrick Henry, who's still in first and is yet to play tonight. So uh, aside from Henry's dominance, Jonathan Taylor, no one has gained more yards for his offense than him. Uh, Mike, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but let's focus here on these big plays that the offense hit. Obviously, Taylor's 83-yarder, 52-yarder to T.Y. Hilton, 51-yard touchdown to Paris Campbell, 28-yard touchdown to Mo Ali Cox. Carson Wentz had four other completions that gained at least 12 yards. And the Colts have now topped eight yards per play each of the past two games. Their previous high was 5.4 yards per play in week two against the Rams. Uh, So with these two big games, the Colts now rank in the top 10 in both yards per pass attempt with 7.9 and yards per rush with 4.7. This kind of dink and dunk offense has all of a sudden turned into a big play machine. Yeah, and, and so we were talking when we when we asked Frank yesterday about the the big plays and all this, and he said 
he went into the halftime and looked at the stat sheet and saw 17 rushing yards, excluding the uh, the kneel down. And he's thinking that's terrible. And then he's th- he was thinking, well, would I would I would I rather grind it out on offense or hit chunk plays? And he wants chunk plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what we're getting. Again, it, that's what they they part of what they envisioned when they made the trade for Wentz. But it's also predicated on, on pass protection, like we talked about earlier. And and he said he got sacked twice, and at least one of them was on him. He, he's got to understand when a play's over. The other one, a guy got in pretty quick, and I don't know if that's on him or not. I think it's 14 sacks in six games. But that's going to be it, – it's, it's, I think that's going to be a byproduct or something you're going to have to, to, to accept – if you're going to have to push the ball down the field, there's going to be times you simply have to hold the ball longer. You just have to. So uh, it's going to be up to him to avoid the the so-called knockout punches. I mean, there are sacks, and then there are, are sacks that really put your quarterback in peril. But I think if ideally you, 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 can, you can have a deep passing game and not put your quarterback at risk, but I think that's, hard, that's really hard to do, especially with, with this offensive line still in flux until – you know, maybe they get Quentin Nelson back this week, and then it's right there. What the, the the sad part is, that if Quentin comes back, you're going to probably put Chris Reed on the bench, and he's playing pretty well. So you know, maybe in the off season we could talk about maybe they need to move Quentin Nelson to left tackle. That'll be a podcast for another day. <laughs> Keep but, Chris you know, Reed at left guard. Can Chris Reed play right guard? I, I, well, but if Quentin can play left tackle, then you resign. Both Chris Reed and Glowinski, and then you're set. So, uh, but but no, it, it is interesting that that it's it's the offense has taken on this identity now, but it's coming with the offensive lines getting a little better, and Carson Wentz. Let's not forget he's getting healthy. Go, go back to how he played against Tennessee, and I've never seen a quarterback with with, with less mobility, even with Philip Rivers. So I think we're seeing what he can do. And and not only are they are they being aggressive, uh, nine touchdowns, but they're taking care of the football. He's got one interception, and it was on that. You know, it, it was a fluky shovel pass against the Rams. So uh, this this is what you want. We we kind of thought coming into the season, I'll give us you know twenty five touchdowns and seven or eight interceptions, and that's that's not bad. Well, he he's taken that to the extremes and. We'll see if that continues as this as this season and this next month or so unfolds. Yeah, Carson Wentz playing some really, really good football as of late. Over his last three games, he's passed for 853 yards, six touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he's done that with a completion percentage of 68.9. On the season, he has nine touchdowns, just one interception, and his one interception is the fewest of any quarterback to play every game for his team this season. Uh, Mind you, this is somebody who led the NFL with 15 interceptions in just 12 games last year. Uh, Wentz looking much comfortable, reunited with Wright around an offense that, you know, uh, like we've stated on this podcast many times, Carson Wentz, his offensive roster, the players around him, decimated by injuries. He did not have a lot of help last year in Philadelphia. And although injuries have hit the Colts, Still in a little bit of better shape than Philly last year. My last takeaway uh, is that the defense took the ball away. Uh, The defense forced three turnovers on Sunday and almost had a few more. I know that I mentioned Kari Willis's 
dropped interception. It would have been a tough one, but you know, it's a play that if you if you want a touchdown as a defensive player, you got to make those catches and try and get it in the end zone. And then Quiddy Pay had an interception. Uh, they reviewed it and it, it was overturned. Overall, it's fourth down anyway. I think the Colts actually gained yards from it being incomplete rather than the interception. Uh, but that would have been cool to see for Quiddy. But Darius Leonard accounted for two of the three turnovers. He had the interception and he forced a fumble. Leonard has now had a hand in five turnovers in the past four games, whether it be interceptions, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. The guy's just a turnover machine. Since entering the NFL in 2018, Leonard now has the most interceptions among linebackers with nine. He has also forced 11 fumbles and has six fumble recoveries. Mike, I I know they're going to be short of their goal of 40 takeaways, but the Colts have 12 right now, which is uh, currently fourth most in the NFL. Uh, This is a team that, while they're still not doing a great job of getting after the quarterback, they've been pretty opportunistic as far as uh, taking the ball away. And, and more, maybe more than that, I, they're, what, they're a plus seven. And I was looking, I, I need to double check before I, I would actually print this, but I've got um, a plus 43 points on takeaways. They've gotten 49 points on their 12 takeaways, and the, the five turnovers – resulted in two field goals. So not only are they getting turnovers or takeaways, but they're cashing in. And and that's what you want. I mean, if a team's going to help you out, then by all means, capitalize. And that's what's encouraging. They've had four touchdowns on five on their last five takeaways. So so I think that's encouraging. Uh, yeah, they're not going to get – I don't think they get to 40. Uh, but again, they do have playmakers, and Darius Leonard. It's amazing how he's he's in the right place. Which it's just not luck. It's it's just not. You put yourself in the in the right place, and to to watch him and his 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 punching the ball out, which that's something he works on, and maybe there's a time or two that, that he'll miss a tackle because of that because you're going for the ball. But I'll take that every day. This, this league is all about making plays that make a difference. It's about forcing turnovers. So uh, it, it's really incur- – and, and I tell you, he's not healthy. He is not. Uh, you, you can see when on the interception when, when he started to head up field or, or lateral you know, lateral movement, he, he doesn't a, have his speed. He looked he lateral, actually. It looked right. like he from did. my – He did. I, I thought so, too. Uh, but that, it just kind of shows you he doesn't have that speed, and he went into great detail last week of how he's had to manage himself during the week with all the massages and hyperbaric chambers and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, But the fact that he's played, is playing, barely comes off the field, if he's come off the field, very, very encouraging for a guy that takes great pride in how he plays and, and what he does when he's on the field. Yeah, Darius flying around, uh, getting turnovers. Bobby Okariki also had 14 total tackles in this one, so he was uh, he was involved as well. Although didn't quite take the ball away and made those game impacting plays like Leonard did. Last thing I'll add, Mike, you did mention the Colts are plus seven in turnover ratio. That is third best in the NFL of all teams. The the other teams in the NFL with seven plus. Uh, or better turnover ratio. 
They are four four and one Buffalo Bills with plus eleven. Six and zero Arizona Cardinals uh, with plus eight, and then the five and one Dallas Cowboys with plus seven. That just kind of shows. I don't want to say fluky because you have to find a way to win the game, but the Colts have been playing a lot better football this year than their record might indicate. Uh, all the other teams in that category have lost no more than one game. We'll see what happens with Buffalo tonight. Um, Mike, any other takeaways from this football game? No, just again, just I think it was it was a good first step, and we talked last week about how this next month, that was the first of five games, it's going to tell us everything about this team, about whether football is going to matter in December. Uh, Sunday night will be difficult in Frisco, but if they play like they did in Baltimore, why shouldn't they win? And in comes, you know, the, the biggie against Tennessee, which you simply have to win. Uh, but if, if they can finish this stretch no worse than 4-1, and one, and if they play well, they go 5-0 and oh during this stretch, then then we've got a new ball game uh, over the last half of the season. Yeah, we have a new ball game because we talked about on Thursday how difficult the Titans stretch is for the next following uh, few days. The Titans play the Bills tonight on Monday Night Football. You can watch that on ESPN. Root on those Buffalo Bills. Uh, Buffalo's won four straight, including an impressive victory last week over the Kansas City Chiefs. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Two teams that I'm sure will be a factor towards the end of the season in the AFC. Uh, go Josh Allen, go Bills. Help help the Colts out and uh, take the Titans down. Titans currently lead the division at 3-2. and two. So a Titans loss would pull the Colts within... What, game and a half? One game plus the tiebreaker? So uh, that'd, that, that'd be a good step for the Indianapolis Colts. And then the 0-5 Jacksonville Jaguars got their first win of the season with a 23-20 overtime victory over the Dolphins in London. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's first win as a pro, and it snaps the Jaguars' 20-game losing streak, which was the second longest streak in NFL history. So the Jaguars finally get into the win column. Uh, and you know what? Good for them. N- no one deserves to lose that many games in a row. And I'm sure Trevor Lawrence was about to pull out that long hair. I'm pretty sure he did more losing this year than he did throughout high school, college, all of that. So that's good to see. Um, looking ahead, the Colts play San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night. Another Nationally televised game that will not be in Indianapolis, but that's all right. It's another opportunity to get a road win and upset the home team. Mike, to this point, I don't think we really know who the quarterback for the 49ers is going to be yet. Uh, Could it be Garoppolo coming off a calf injury? I think their first-round quarterback, Trey Lance, sprained his knee last time they were out. 49ers are coming off a bye, so they've had a little extra time to prepare and get healthy. We will dive into a full preview on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel51. And follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Please subscribe and download for us. And until Thursday, enjoy the week, Colts fans. <laughs>